The story you are about to hear to some of you may sound way out there, and to others, completely real. Ray Hernandez, an ET experiencer and co-founder of FREE, which stands for the Foundation for Research into Extraterrestrial Encounters, thought he was losing his mind, literally, until he realized something much bigger was going on. After a series of strange encounters that both he and his family became entangled with, Ray set out on a course to understand the basis for all of the high strangeness that was surrounding him. Synchronistically, he was guided to E.T. researcher Mary Rodwell, as well as the late astronaut and physicist Dr. Edgar Mitchell, or should I say, they were guided to him. Through these relationships, along with his own experiences, Ray was about to change his life in ways he'd never imagined. And this is how the organization Free was born. Listen to this fascinating story. of Higher Journeys Radio know that my covering the UFO and ET phenomenon has become somewhat of a centerpiece for our show. I can't emphasize how much this subject has grown in interest, and I have to say at this point, it is one of the, if not the most popular subjects we've discussed today. Well, I've heard from many of you uh, who have specifically requested that I bring on a member of FREE, also known as the Edgar Mitchell Foundation for Research into Extraterrestrial Encounters, and yes, that is a mouthful, uh, to discuss their groundbreaking work in this field. They're doing some incredible things. So today we have someone who is not only the perfect spokesperson for FREE, he is one of the co-founders, and he is also an experiencer himself. His name is Ray Hernandez, and he joins me today to discuss all things FREE. Plus a little bit more, right, Ray? <laughs> Most certainly. Thank uh, you, Alex. Awesome. So excited to have you here. And obviously, we have a mutual acquaintance, colleague, and friend, uh, Ms. Mary Rodwell, who endorsed you wholeheartedly. So I'm so glad you're here. Well, you know, as one of the initial co founders for free, you've been um, such a fierce advocate and spokesperson for the pioneering work that your organization is doing to break the, what I would say, the proverbial glass ceiling of limits when it comes to the stigma surrounding this phenomenon. And I know you like to keep the conversation focused on what Free is doing, and we're going to do a lot of that. But first, if you would indulge us, because I know this is a great story, could you please tell us about your own personal journey as an experiencer, and maybe of your family as well? Certainly, certainly. My family was involved uh, with many of my experiences. the initial experience that uh, my wife and I had was in March 4th, 2012, so it wasn't a long time ago. Uh, previous to, to that date, um, I was an agnostic at best in terms of belief in a creator. Um, I had no interest whatsoever in, about UFOs, the paranormal, um, energy healing, any of those topics. Uh, uh, everyone involved in those topic areas were all goofballs. <laughs> so I was like a n- typical, normal, ignorant person <laughs> when it comes to these things. Mm-hmm. And then uh, what happened was the day before, on March the 3rd, our 16-year-old uh, Jack Russell Terrier, her name is Nena, um, uh, and which means little girl in Spanish. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had a, first of all, she was very, very ill for about a year. Uh, she was taking diuretics to flush out the excess water in her body. She was taking Viagra for her heart. Mm. Um, she had severe arthritis. She was walking very, very gingerly. Um, and we just couldn't put her to sleep because, you know, she was our family member. And so uh, we were trying to keep her quality of life as best as, as, as we could. And then on a Saturday night, um, she became totally paralyzed. We called our vet, who's a good friend of ours, uh, Dr. Phil Cruz. 
and he told us that uh, from what we told him, it appeared that she had a cerebral hemorrhage, hmm. um, a stroke, um, was totally paralyzed, and that he would open up the office tomorrow, Sunday, uh, to put her to sleep. Hmm. And so my wife and I became very, very depressed. Uh, my wife was born and raised in Mexico, a hardcore Catholic, and she was praying all night. Hmm. And, uh, you know, hardcore praying. <laughs> yeah. um, and so I, um, I went to sleep, uh, uh, you know, normal time, 11 or 11.30, something like that. So in the morning, um, the dog started barking. So my wife and I got up, and uh, we checked her out, and she was still totally paralyzed. So I went back to bed, and my wife carried her down the stairs to see if she wanted to go to the bathroom. So when she got to, to our living room, she saw an object floating four feet off the ground in our living room. And, uh, and I'll describe it. It was, uh, looked like an upside-down U. It was metallic in shape, roughly two feet wide by about three feet in height, and that had two green lights. So my wife uh, immediately said to herself, if you're a bad spirit, get the hell out. If you're a good spirit or an angel or the Virgin Mary, um, then stay and, and please help me uh, cure Nina. And so uh, when she was praying and, and saying that to herself, these two green lights started blinking on and off. Hmm. And so at that point, you know, she stood up and then she started, you know, getting closer to this thing and observing it and getting, you know, just taking a good look at it. She wasn't scared at all. And then uh, she then started yelling for me. And being Sunday morning at 6 o'clock, I totally ignored her. And then after a minute of her yelling at me, she went upstairs and physically hauled me out of bed. And so um, um, I asked her, what is it? What is it? She says, you'll see, you'll see, you'll see. I said, what is it? You'll see, you'll see. And so when uh, she walked in front of me, maybe about four or five steps ahead of me as we were going down the stairs. So when I got to the bottom rung of the stairs, she was now like in the middle of the living room. All of a sudden, she totally disappeared with the dog. And then immediately, uh, mind control took place. Uh, some other entity took over my consciousness. And that's difficult to describe, but I'll try to relay it to your listeners. Mm. Um, I immediately totally forgot or did not care that my wife and my dog totally disappeared in front of me. I then tilted my head all the way to the left, and there on the left, floating four feet off the ground, was an energy being. And I called it being because it totally controlled my mind. Um, what it looked like, it was about two to three feet wide by a foot and a half in height. It was rectangular in shape, but it didn't have any external edges because it was pure energy. It was multicolored, uh, semi-translucent. And then uh, I stared at it, and then I did something that was totally illogical. Um, and I waved my hand at it, and I said, ah, BS. This is what she got me up for for this thing. And so then I turned around, you know, and I uh, went to sleep. It, uh, I got totally knocked out for 45 minutes. After 45 minutes, it was like the hypnotist snapped his finger, and I woke up, and then I was fully conscious. And I said, oh, my God, what the hell just happened? And I ran downstairs. And then right in the same exact spot where I was when my wife disappeared, all of a sudden she reappeared with the dog. And she was dancing in the middle of the living room floor in Spanish saying, Los Angeles la curaron, Los Angeles la curaron. The angels cured her, the angels cured her. And the dog was running around, jumping up and down like a little, you know, teenager. Mm -hmm. And to me it was like an atom bomb exploded in my head. So then I started asking my wife questions, and, uh, and, and we had totally different stories. She saw this, uh, this metallic thing. 
she went upstairs to get me. She walked downstairs, and then in the middle of the living room floor, she looked down, and she saw uh, Nana was running around, and she started celebrating. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know it at that time, but it wasn't until many, many months later that I learned of this topic called missing time where individuals that are taken and relocated some other place, they have missing time, that they have absolutely no recollection of where they were. So, um, but for me, I knew what happened. I knew what I saw. I knew my wife disappeared in front of me. I went upstairs, and I knew what time we had woken up, and then I knew what time I woke up again. The second time, it was 45 minutes. But for my wife, uh, those 45 minutes were totally oblivious. Um, and uh, so it was massive confusion, massive chaos uh, in our house. And then uh, to her, uh, they were purely angels, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because I was a total atheist, um, uh, agnostic at best. I didn't believe it. But, um, uh, uh, and for me, I don't know what the hell it was. I knew it was something paranormal. Mm-hmm. And when she described it, it looked like a little saucer. And she said there was little men inside. Okay. Uh, still, still to this day, she says that. In the living and room, so, in the living room, in, in this in small room. version of a craft is what you're describing. She yeah, saw little tiny beams. little version in the living room, correct. Isn't that so and so then what happened, I just went crazy on the Internet, um, primarily researching paranormal stuff and occasionally some UFO stuff, but mainly focusing on the paranormal. And then about two months later, uh, the dog woke us up at, um, at th- or woke her up at 3.30 in the morning. She went downstairs, and instead of going through the doggy door in the back door, she was jumping on the front door. So at 3.30 in the morning, my wife opened the front door. The door goes out, a couple of stairs that we have there. And then uh, my wife hears a noise. She said it was like a 747 jet right above her, deafening noise. lasted for about a minute. And then when the noise stopped, she looked up, and it was a huge, gigantic UFO two blocks away that was the size of a football field. Um, and she said it had uh, the ends of it. She said it had colors like the stained glass windows of our church. So when I uh, when she uh, when I woke up, she said, "Oh, my angels came and visit me last night. They had beautiful colors, just like the stained glass windows of our church." Mm-hmm. I say hello to them and I interacted with them, and then after a minute, they just disappeared, you know, from the air. And I, and then she drew it out what it looked like, and I said, "That wasn't angels. What you saw was a UFO." <laughs> she goes, well, that's because you're totally ignorant. You're a total atheist, you know. You wouldn't understand, you know. <laughs> and, and so then I had my first picture that this was, you know, UFO-related. Mm-hmm. And um, and then she went to Mexico like a month later, a month and a half later, and she stayed there a month. And there she had numerous, numerous episodes with both seeing UFOs, calling down UFOs, um, these three uh, tall uh, human-looking beings dressed in white monk's robe, uh, um, floated in front of her for like a, a minute and then disappeared 15 feet away from her. Uh, one UFO that she called uh, stopped uh, airport traffic over Veracruz Airport. Um, it was fully documented in the news, in okay. the, the next day's newspaper. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had video of it. They had pictures of it, uh, many stories on it. But she never told anyone that she called it down. Um, and then another sighting uh, uh, that was uh, seen by uh, her family members uh, that she had called on this craft to appear. And it didn't appear at 9 o'clock. It appeared at 9.30. Um, and eight family members saw this thing. It flew down, beamed down a blue light. Uh, for about a minute, the blue light descended, and the craft took off. Mm-hmm. And so all this crazy stuff was happening in Mexico, uh, including the sighting, the sighting of these humanoid beings. 
these humans. They weren't humanoid. They were human beings, except they were tall. They were like eight feet tall, mm-hmm. dressed in white monk robes. Yeah. And then um, when she came back from Mexico, she didn't tell me anything. And then um, uh, I'm an attorney. And so uh, this friend of mine called me that he got all these parking tickets. And I said, what you need to do is uh, you need to consolidate all these tickets. You go to court one time. And I said, uh, once you have the tickets, you let me know, and I'll do a motion to consolidate. So he calls me, Ray, I got the tickets. And this is about 9.30 at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, about 9 o'clock, he tells me. So I said, where are you at? He says, oh, I'm very close by. I said, okay, I'll wait for you outside. So he says, give me the tickets, and I'll go back in. So I'm waiting outside, waiting for my friend to come. And then I remembered the night before I had seen this man. Uh, his name is Prophet Yahweh. In the middle of the daylight, he, he called down these UFO crafts. And there's this little tiny uh, dot would appear in the sky, and he would videotape it. So I remembered I had seen that video the, the day before, and I said, ah, what the hell, you know, let's give it a try, you know. Mm-hmm. There wasn't pre-planned or anything, and uh, there really wasn't much uh, intention behind it when I first started. But then after I got into it, I became very serious about calling down this craft. And I was like, oh, I want to see you, the beautiful angelic craft that my wife saw. She describes you as angels. I describe you as modern angels. You came mm-hmm. down and you healed our beloved Nena. Uh, I want to personally thank you for it. You came by and, and you interacted with my wife. I want to be able to do the same thing with you, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then I would turn around and look in the sky and nothing. Okay? Mm-hmm. So I did that for like for 15 minutes. And then after 15 minutes, I said to myself, you know, I'm going crazy here. I'm calling down a UFO craft. You know, this is, I'm going nuts. What am know? I doing? Right, right. What am I doing? You know, I'm, I'm really going, as Mary says, down the rabbit hole, yeah. you know, Mary Rockwell. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that said, uh, you know, I need to stop this cold turkey because I'm going insane. So immediately I look up and there's a big, gigantic football stadium, not football field, football stadium sized UFO, 100 meters tall by 600 meters going back. Uh, I could have sworn uh, the end of it went over a six-lane highway um, that was literally 30 feet away from me. The bottom of the craft was, um, uh, I would say, five feet from the roof of my next-door neighbor's house. And uh, uh, and it wasn't uh, fully materialized. What it was comprised was thousands and thousands of oblong streaks of light mm-hmm. that formed the whole shell of the craft. So you could clearly see what it was. And then inside the craft was all this white plasma just floating around, uh, all this white energy. Everything was white, pure white, unlike what I saw in my living room. My living room was multicolored. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of a sudden I heard a voice in my head, uh, Daddy, you and Mommy have seen UFOs. Next time you guys see a UFO, you call me. All right, Daddy. Don't forget. Don't forget. Daddy? And so okay. it, it was my, my daughter's voice. Oh, okay. And so my daughter never okay. told me that. Okay. Now... The last thing a rational person would do, my daughter had just turned 10 years old, okay? Mm-hmm. So the last thing you would do is to bring your daughter outside to see this monstrous, gigantic craft that was literally a stone's throw away, 30 feet away from you, okay? But no, in my head, it was total mind control took place there too. In my head, it was like, my daughter wants to see UFO. My daughter wants to see UFO. So I run outside, and um, I live in a cul-de-sac. There's only three houses on that block. So I'm calling my daughter. So she opens up the window. What is it, Daddy? I said, sweetheart, hurry up. There's a UFO out here. There's a UFO out here. So she uh, opens the door, excuse me, uh, uh, runs outside, uh, comes to me, right next to me. She goes, Daddy, what is that? And I said, sweetheart, it's a UFO, but it's in hiding. 
we have all these radar and all these military bases that can uh, see it in the sky. And so it's hiding itself. That's why it's not fully material. Oh, thank you, Daddy. You know, <laughs> And we, we weren't scared. It was like we were watching the 4th of July, right. you know, in case anyone asked. I, yeah. And um, then uh, for about 15 minutes, we were watching this thing. And all of a sudden, my friend comes you know, mm. with his wife and their 17-year-old daughter. And uh, both of them are hardcore Catholics. He was born and raised in Mexico, and she was born and raised in Colombia. Um, these are people that every Sunday they have to be at church. You know, you cannot miss a church day, you know. Mm. Um, and, uh, and so they leave the car right in the middle of the cul-de-sac, and they run to where we are, uh, you know, 30 feet away from this craft. You know, Ray, what is that? What is that? I said, you know darn well what it is. I said, no, no, impossible, impossible. Okay? Mm, mm, mm. And, and this is all in Spanish. We were having this conversation. And so then they started coming up with crazy explanations of what this thing might be. So after a minute of them coming up, you know, one crazy explanation after another, I just busted out laughing because I didn't tell them that I called down the craft because it would have been one lunacy after another lunacy. That's you know, right. they, just, they couldn't comprehend this, you know. And so, um, uh, and so I just started laughing. And so in my head, I basically I told these ETs, these entities, uh, I said, you better come up with some better shit than this because they don't believe you, you know. Now, all of a sudden, that light pattern instantaneously stopped. They were replaced by thousands and thousands of stars that were like 10 times the size of Venus, each of these stars. All of them were blinking like two or three times a second, powering on and off, on and off, on and off, on and off. And then certain stars in certain quadrants would power up to become huge and power down. Then power up and then to power down. It was like maybe five or six stars in separate quadrants. And they would take turns, like this quadrant and that quadrant and that quadrant, like that. So beyond a shadow of a doubt, everyone knew, you know, that this was a UFO. Okay? Oh, my goodness. It, it was totally non-human. Yeah. So then uh, our neighbors next door turned on the light, and so you had five people looking on top of their roof, and they were literally like 20 feet away from us because we were right outside their window, you know, in the cul-de-sac. And so um, it didn't even bother, you know, uh, uh, again, there was no logic. It was total mind control. Logically, I would have knocked on their door, their door and said, Pablo, look what the hell's on top of your house. No, that didn't take place. Mm-hmm. Or they would be seeing five people looking right up at their roof, just staring nonstop. You know, what the hell's going on? It's my roof on fire. You know, mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. what, what are you guys doing there? You know, and he's a very good friend of ours. You know, that never took place. Everyone had cell phones except for my daughter, my 10-year-old. Everyone, including the teenager, that uh, they had, she had a cell phone in her hand the whole time. Didn't even lift her hand, Okay. Normal thing to do would be to take a picture. No, okay. they didn't take a picture. Yeah, I, I, you know, I want to interject something because this yeah. is there's so many dimensions literally to this to this particular encounter. Now you've said a couple of times, uh, Ray, that you feel that mind control was being uh, uh, perpetrated on the witnesses. How how do you feel yeah. that? Are, are you just sort of deriving that by their their? Oh reaction? no no no! It, it 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 continues with actual facts. Okay. Go ahead. Ten minutes after it changed the stars, my friends go, oh, we got to leave. We got things to do. Okay? Now, is that logical? No, of course not. None of, what, none of the reactions okay. that you're talking about are logical from them. It's logical, okay? Mm. And on my end, did I question them leaving? Mm. No, no, I know you got things to do. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of that paper. I'll call you tomorrow. You know, bye-bye. You know, 15 minutes later, my daughter and I were still staring at this thing, like we were watching the 4th of July. Then all of a sudden, I felt like I was being attacked by hundreds of mosquitoes. I was slapping my legs, slapping my arms. So I grabbed my daughter, and I said, come on, Scott, let's go inside. These mosquitoes are killing me. So we go inside, 
And then the door was wide open the whole time. <clears throat> my wife didn't even come out to see what was going on. And she didn't even bother looking for my daughter. And she was like a, a mother hen with my daughter every, all the time. <clears throat> we go in there, and it seemed like she had just come out of a coma or something. Um, oh, uh, uh, um, oh, we just came. We saw a UFO outside. Oh, that's nice. You know, mm. like totally illogical. Like she had just snapped out of something, right? Right. And then, uh, um, uh, and I said, we had to go in because these mosquitoes were killing us. Meanwhile, that craft is still there, okay? But I went in because mosquitoes. Now, it could have been a horde of elephants coming at me, and I wouldn't have budged, okay? Mm. So we went inside. So then uh, my daughter goes to me, Daddy, there were no mosquitoes outside. And all of a sudden, it's like the hypnotist snapped his finger, and I woke up, and now I was fully conscious. And I was like, oh, my God, what the hell just happened? So I ran. I grabbed my, my, uh, my camera. I grabbed my video recorder, and I ran outside. Poof, nothing, completely gone. I think this deserves a moment of silence. I don't know quite what to say. Well, it I, goes on after that. I'm sure it does. Either that I, night or the night after that, <clears throat> I saw this video on YouTube about near-death experiences. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then all of a sudden, it's like the hypnotist snapped his finger again. Okay. All I did for four months straight was just to read hundreds of books on near-death experiences. Mm-hmm. Okay. I became an expert on NDEs. Yeah. I didn't do any of my uh, work. I didn't watch TV, I didn't go to the internet, nothing whatsoever. I didn't even go out with my wife, I didn't even have any interest in my family relationships, okay? Mm-hmm. I just had to finish the next NDE book. And that was for four months straight, that's all I did. My wife was like literally leaving me, because she thought I was going insane. All the time she was telling me I have to go to a psychiatrist, I need to get medications, I'm, I'm going crazy, I'm not right. And she was correct, you know, I, I was a, a nut job, okay? Until this happened. Okay, and you would know about these dates. I, d- I never even knew about these dates until months later. Mm-hmm. I had never, during these four months, I had never spoken to anybody about NDEs. Only my wife knew, you know, um, this NDE stuff that I was into. Then on, uh, for three days in a row, okay, what, uh, let me ask you a question. What would be the probabilities of the very first three people you ever mentioned to about NDEs? All of them had an NDE three days in a row. I mean, logic would say the probability would be very low, and yet, uh, for someone that's, I'm a huge advocate of synchronicity, it wouldn't surprise me. It, it, it would it surprise me. <laughs> Friday, December 21st, 2012. Uh, Saturday, December 22nd, 2012. Sunday, December 23rd, 2012. Oh, my goodness. Oh my Those goodness. three days in a row. The very first one was my daughter's pediatrician, Dr. Claudia Herrera. People could look it up, Google her, okay? I'll, put, make sure I have a link. I'll make sure I have a link, yes. <laughs> okay. Um, 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 out of my mouth, my daughter had a fever for two days straight, okay? A low-grade fever, not very high, low-grade fever. So my daughter always brought her to the doctor. I didn't even know who this doctor was, okay? Uh, for three years, my, my wife was bringing her to the doctor, to this particular doctor. And then, uh, for whatever reason, my wife couldn't, so I wound up bringing her. When we got to the doctor's office, they tested her temperature, no temperature whatsoever, okay? She never had a temperature after that. So then, in the middle of the room while she called us, we were there, uh, all of a sudden came out, the only way I could describe it was like a channeled voice, you know, because as I was saying it in my head, it was like, what, why am I saying this? Why am I saying this? Shut up, shut up. I'm going, you know, I'm going schizophrenic here, you know? 
And what it was was that all of a sudden out of my mouth came this voice, and it said, excuse me, doctor, have you ever heard of the term near-death experiences? I've just finished reading approximately 300 books on this topic, and at least 25 of those books were written by medical doctors such as yourself. So it's a topic that you need to be fully aware of, okay? So meanwhile, her eyeballs pop out, and in my head, you know, I said, my God, I'm going crazy. Why I said that? You know, I couldn't even control it. And then I said, now she thinks I'm a nut job, you know? So I said, excuse me, doctor, I apologize. I don't know why I said that. She goes, no, no, no need to apologize. How did you know I had one? Oh, my goodness. Okay? Oh my goodness. And then she goes into the full details of her NDE, which was basically out of body. She never went through the tunnel or into, you know, the spirit world or anything like that. She was basically, uh, when she was 10 years old, she had a heart attack um, in, in Colombia. Um, and um, she floated uh, out of her body, so her body underneath. She saw the doctor was doing the, um, the defibrillator. Then she went through two walls and then was sitting on top of her parents in the waiting room. She heard the whole details of all of the conversation. And meanwhile, with my daughter next to me, she's telling me all the details of the conversation. Mm-hmm. My daughter's had three people now tell them about their NDEs with her next to me. Mm-hmm. Okay, So that's not a coincidence either. No, okay? no not at all. Okay, and my daughter, that's another story about my daughter. Oh, my God. Okay. Um, anyway, uh, but getting back to this story, <laughs> the, uh, the next day at church, this is, his name is Max, okay? Uh, I didn't even know her. His wife is Mexican. Uh, so my wife knew uh, this lady from church, and they sat next together. It was a church dinner, okay, uh, for married couples at the church. So I introduced myself, and then again, out of the blue, excuse me, sir, have you ever heard of the term near-death experiences? I just finished reading approximately 300 book, you know, books on this topic, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and at that point, I knew I was going insane, you know, like, why am I doing this? His eyeballs pop out. He goes, oh, my God, Ray, I haven't told this to anyone. Last year, my mother, my mother died in my arms. And then when she was resuscitated, he told me this whole story. And the whole story was that she was floating above him, she even saw the paramedics, described them in details. He was crying on top of her. You told me this, you told me that, you told me that, and on top of that, you were doing all the CPR on me. And then she got sucked up like a vacuum cleaner, went through the tunnel, to the light, had a deceased relative, put her in contact with God, this other spiritual being, who then told her it was her time to go, you know, not, not her time to go, but she needed to return. The whole works. Max was telling me all of this. Then I finally, you know, put everything together. I said, oh, my God, this is not a coincidence. You know, these ETs set this thing up, you know. Of course. So then I said, uh, uh, I need to tell this to my father. Because uh, my father just recently passed away. He passed away in, in, in October. Mm, but uh, he had been in bed, bedridden for many, many years. He's a very, very sick man. So I said, um, and I've never seen him in church, maybe twice. So I said, I need to tell this to my father so he knows that, you know, that we are eternal spiritual beings, you mm. know. So um, I said, come on, Mom, let's get Pop dressed. So we got him dressed, and we went, and I helped him with a walk route to the patio, and then I started to tell him what happened on Friday and what happened on Saturday, you know, the day, yesterday and the day before. So he waves his hand at me, and he goes, ah, that happened to me, right? And I, what? And what happened 15 years ago, he had open-heart surgery. He had the full works, including a life review. He points up to this guy. And uh, he told me, up there, he said, time doesn't exist. I said, what do you mean time Time doesn't exist? He says, I was up there at least 20 or 30 years. I said, what do you mean 20 or 30 years? That's how long it took God to show me all the good things I had done in my life and all the bad things. And he showed it to him not only inside, reliving these experiences inside his own brain, but also the brain of the other person. 
you know, the consciousness of the other person that mm-hmm. he had affected. Mm-hmm. And he said it was like he had just returned. He was 30 years up there, you know. Um, and so um, uh, and then uh, he would teach, the God would teach him a lesson after each, each of these events. And I asked him for details, and he just didn't want to talk about it. You know, he just, you know, clamored up. So I turned to my mother. I said, Mom, Mom you know, have you ever heard about this? You know, I never heard this. And she said, we only spoke about it once, and that was after he had woken up from the surgery. He was hysterical to try to tell me his story. Mm-hmm. And I was like, go back to sleep, go back to sleep, go back to sleep. And he was like, no, 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 I need to tell you, I need to tell you. And she said, that's the only time that they spoke about it, you know, once he came out of surgery. And so, you know, on my way home, I knew it was a setup job by these entities. And, uh, and so I looked up in the sky, and for the first time ever in my life, I believed in God you know, mm-hmm. or a universal creator. And I, and I looked up in the sky and I said to, you know, our universal creator and to these entities who I consider messengers of God, I said, congratulations. In a four-month period, you have managed to completely transform an atheist material rationalist into someone that has more belief uh, that we are eternal spiritual beings and that there is a universal creator than any Catholic priest in Miami. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. And then, uh, <laughs> and then the next event was how free got started. Okay. okay. Well, you know, before you go there, because yeah. I, I, I'm sitting here, head spinning, going, "Okay, could we go <laughs> two hours?" Because I can see that there is so much more meat to this, and I'm, I'm thinking theoretically theories, and there's just so much. Here's, here's a point I want to make, and then I want to eventually segue. Uh, to free, and I'm going to say right now, I'm having you back, and we're going to talk more about some of these experiences because there are so many implications, very serious implications of all of this that you're weaving together. Here's a point I want to make. You know, I interviewed um, ET researcher Grant Cameron, who I I think you know, uh, several months back. um, You know, he feels strongly that those who have had contact experience, even if they can only recall one encounter, you've obviously recalled several. He says they're lifers, meaning that even if they can only recall one, they've been having them all all of their lives, probably, maybe even pre-birth. And I wanted to get your thoughts on that. And we can also bring in the, the family connection, the generational connection. And I know that Free is looking at uh, a lot of the research it's getting based on some of those parameters. So give Correct, me your yes. thoughts on you first and, the, you know, how, what your sense is Uh, Ray, about how long this has really been going on for you and your family. (laughs) What would you do if the beloved pet you had to put down only months ago suddenly showed up at your doorstep? Or you had a dream that your animal companion told you they would be returning to you? Hi, I'm Alexis Brooks, and after having my own amazing animal return experience, I've put together a compelling presentation called The Evidence for Animal Reincarnation, Clues, Characteristics, Confirmation, that include miraculous stories just like mine that happen to real people just like you. You'll hear powerful accounts of animals returning to their owners after they've died. You'll find out if you can actually encourage your lost pet to return to you and ways to learn whether they already have. Take a deep dive into the historical beliefs around reincarnation. Learn about synchronicity, intuition, and even dreams and how they all factor into this miraculous phenomenon. To learn more about this unique presentation and to purchase your copy, visit higherjourneys.com forward slash animal reincarnation. That's higherjourneys.com forward slash animal reincarnation. And maybe you too will witness the return of your animal friend that you've been so longing to see. You're listening to Higher Journeys Radio with Alexis Brooks. And now, 
Back to our program. I don't recall, to tell you quite frankly, anything in my history uh, that would show any of this. Uh, I know that in my wife's side, my wife is very, very psychic. Like she could read people, you know, and like know them, you know. Um, her mother uh, also has had seen UFOs. Um, now, in terms of uh, every family, every family, there's some paranormal experiences in everyone. Um, uh, my mother ha- had a deathbed experience with her dying mother. Mm-hmm. Um, my father would see dead people. Um, he ha- saw the, the lady who had died in the house that he had lived in, described her to the T. He had never seen her before, and it wasn't until my mother described it to the next-door lady and says, well, that's the woman who used to live there, red hair. You know, she was about five feet, you know, eight or nine, the tall lady. Um, you know, you described the lady who died there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, my father has this gift. My mother had deathbed type of visions. Uh, but I think every family, once you start asking folks, um, for example, my, uh, our niece lives with us, my wife's uh, niece. Uh, she's seen uh, a ghost, uh, 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 a man dressed in a guayabera, you know, which is like a, like a formal shirt that a lot of Spanish-speaking countries in Latin America wear. Mm-hmm. And she described the man, and it was the guy who died, that, that they bought their house from. This is in Mexico. So uh, I think that's very, very common. But in terms of people having contact experiences with children, we don't have the exact percentages, but um, uh, most of the people uh, answered the question that, uh, their, their children have had contact, their wives have had contact, mm-hmm. um, their, their parents, uh, even their, their brothers and sisters. And we've got all percentages for all of those. Okay. But um, uh, I would say spouses, I would say it's about maybe 60% of the spouses have had some type of paranormal or contact experience. Uh, with the children, it's like 40%. But it all depends, you know, the age of the person that answered that question, that sort of thing, whether they had children mm-hmm. or not. So a lot of those are... Uh, Mm-hmm. independent variables to all of this. Okay. But it's all interrelated. It's all interrelated. And, you know, it just reminds me, um, I, I went to your website not too I've, I've gone several times, actually, uh, uh, but I had gone recently. And by the way, everyone, they have a fabulous website, both in terms of it's, uh, it's, uh, re- it's resource-rich, obviously, but it's a user-friendly experience. It's a beautiful website. But there was a, a, a line in your mission statement that really caught my attention, and it basically says, Free is committing, committed to bringing together diverse voices in the subject of human encounters with non-human intelligence and related phenomena. And those two things were key for me, right? Diverse voices, and I don't mean culturally diverse, but, but including that, but diverse and in all of the ways these experiences are uh, distilled or um, experienced themselves and related phenomena. That's also key. Want to get into that in terms of um, we're talking about just in your story alone, we're talking about a literal repository of, of, uh, types of encounters, not just with your what we'll call classical UFO uh, sightings, but uh, diverse in that way, not just the, the gray beings or the, the ones that have been depicted in, uh, in film, let's say, as being the species. There are d- diversity, there's diversity in that, including the energy beings, but also in other spiritual um, experiences, including near-death experiences, out-of-body experiences, past lives, uh, oh, yeah, recall. Yeah. So I want you to talk about that a bit. Um, and and sure, free, is, sure. free is embracing that, right, in terms of gathering well, data on those things. Correct, correct. First of all, I just want to say that our website is experiencer.org. Okay, great. That's uh, experiencer.org. Mm-hmm. 
um, we are conducting the first ever comprehensive academic research study of individuals that have had UFO-related contact experiences and its related paranormal uh, experiences as well. Uh, no one has ever done this. We're doing it both quantitatively and qualitatively. Mm-hmm. Um, and now the reason for that was because um, uh, I have an academic background. I, I, I went to um, Cornell for a master's. I went to UC Berkeley uh, for a Ph.D., um, and now I'm an attorney. So when these experiences happened to me, um, I went to the Internet, and the Internet was just full of garbage. And, um, and I said, you know, there's no answers here. Everyone's an expert. Everyone has the answer, and they're all contradicting each other, mm. you know. And so then I turned to see what has been written academically about this, you know, because of my background. And what I found out, that there was almost nothing. Nothing has been written academically about this uh, experience. Um, there have been academics that have written about the phenomenon, but never in a formal, academically structured um, uh, uh, study. Um, um, and so what we decided to do, is to, to do is, is we got a whole bunch of retired academics, professors, and also people that have been in the field for each of them for more than 30 years, people like, like Mary Rodwell, like Rosemary Allen Guiley that, that you mentioned, mm-hmm. um, Kathleen Martin, uh, Giorgio Piacenza, and others. Uh, Leo Sprinkle, he started researching this phenomenon in the early 60s, Dr. Leo Sprinkle, um, and many, many other folks. So, um, and so we have the data from phase one and phase two in the English language. It's available for everyone on our website. So um, we don't hoard the data. It's all publicly available for everyone on our website. Mm-hmm. Now, what we discovered, you had mentioned several uh, uh, topic areas there. We discovered that 80% of experiencers had out-of-body experiences, mm. a huge number, 80%. Near-death experiences, 36% had near-death experiences, okay? Um, the vast majority, 80%, uh, fully believe that this UFO-related contact uh, phenomenon is somehow related to the spirit world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the vast majority of these people have had uh, pa- uh, past life um, uh, uh, visions or experiences, uh, like 80% of them believe in reincarnation. Uh, like 80% of them believe, you know, that ETs are somehow associated with the spirit world. Um, numerous other type of uh, spiritual-related type of questions. Now, the focus that we're taking, uh, we're not a ufology organization. We are not nuts and bolts, okay? We don't want to, to do research and take, you know, Geiger counter readings and, and, and that sort of stuff, because that's just, uh, you know, in my opinion, a waste of time. Uh, all the valuable, the, the gold nuggets, is with the experiencer. Uh, we believe on the topic of disclosure that the closure is taking place, but it's taking place from the ground up. Right. It's the experiencer that's exactly. uh, releasing yeah, information mm-hmm. for disclosure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also the way we view this phenomenon, we, uh, I have an experience, uh, maybe we have time to talk about it, which is it talks about the various contact modalities. That's, uh, from there is how free got started. Mm-hmm. with all the crazy synchronicities. Um, maybe should I transition into that? Um, um, I want uh, you to just go for it, because I think you're on a roll, okay. and I, I'm just feeling that the audience okay. is really loving your story. Uh, so okay. continue. Yes, please. Well, I, it's, it's difficult to explain all these things because, you know, they're just so crazy, you know. Um, you know, people either think that you're lying, you're making this up. Not our audience. For, our, no, for, not here. <laughs> for, 
for each of these events, I've had witnesses, you know, for everything. Now, this last one, we've had two witnesses. We've had Mary Rodwell um, and Dr. Rudy Shields. They can attest to what I'm about to tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, let me, uh, okay. After I had that NDE, those three days in a row, December 21st, 22nd, and 23rd, uh, that experience, um, then it was numerous types of paranormal experiences with my wife and I. Um, there was one experience where all of a sudden my wife, uh, this being took over her, and she started talking about if humanity doesn't change their ways, you know, um, uh, hum- humans, uh, uh, millions of people are going to die, and we'll be li- living like, this, like, like, uh, like Native Americans. She said, we're not going to be needing doctors, we're going to be eating berries and fruits, we're going to be living in communes, but yet it's going to be a cleansing, it's going to be a purging, you know. But it, it was like, um, she didn't even remember after it happened, after she said it, she went straight to sleep. She had no memory of it. She was like another person. Uh, for 15 minutes, she started, you know, talking about uh, if humanity doesn't change its ways, you know, in terms of protecting nature, uh, taking care of nature, you know, she just went on and on and on. And my wife is not that type of a person. Uh, she, well, first of all, she, she has no Internet. Um, she's not into, you know, the ET stuff at all, the paranormal stuff, the new energy stuff, none of these things, none whatsoever, you know. And it, it was like this other person just possessed her. So anyway, we had lots of those types of experiences, just crazy stuff for, uh, for about six months. And then, uh, talking about Grant Cameron, we went to our first ever UFO conference in Sebring, Florida. This is the first week of May, um, um, and Grant was there, and he heard our story, and so uh, he gave me the telephone number of Chris Bledsoe, who was an experiencer, and he also had a healing of Crohn's disease. He was taken for seven hours, and when he was returned, he was completely healed of Crohn's disease. And so that's how I got to meet Grant, because he, he heard our story. Uh, they have an experiential workshop in the morning. And so um, he then uh, put us in contact with, um, with this fellow, Chris Bledsoe. And he would be, be an amazing guest as well. Mm-hmm. And so um, it was about three or four days later after we, we returned from that conference, I was going uh, into downtown Miami at 8.30 in the morning in the middle of a traffic jam, and all of a sudden I was pulled out of my body. Uh, it was pure consciousness. There was nothing around me. It wasn't black or anything. It was, it was like your pure mind. You know, there's nothing around you. All of a sudden, this big, gigantic spinning wheel appears, and I'm inside it. Uh, the spinning wheel is turning around slowly, uh, clockwise. Inside were different spokes, sort of like a cartwheel. Inside each different spoke was what I now call a contact modality which are the different ways that humans are piercing the veil and having contact with non-human intelligence. For example, inside one spoke was near-death experiences. Another spoke was UFO-related contact. Another spoke was channeling. Another spoke was remote viewing. Another spoke was mystical meditation. You know, um, another spoke was lucid dreaming. You know, another spoke was uh, hallucinogens, you know. Uh, you know, ayahuasca and things of that sort. Mm-hmm. You know, it was all around, all these different ways where humans are piercing the veil. And then the information that came to me was that humans are studying these things uh, separately and independently. But in fact, they're not. It's all interrelated. Mm-hmm. And what's holding it all together is what uh, some type of advanced physics, some type of advanced quantum physics that humans are calling it consciousness. Then all of a sudden, uh, information came into my head. Uh, I must uh, uh, inform humanity of the relationship between them, the spirit world, and consciousness. I'm going to be needing help. And there's only two criteria for that help. 
I need to get individuals that have minimum to no ego. And secondly, this is not about me becoming wealthy. Mm-hmm. Okay? And then poof, I'm back in my body. Right? And I was like, you know, what the hell just happened? Because I've never had that and I've never had it since. So I called this, uh, this lady called Christina. She's the only experiencer I've been talking to and I immediately told her what had just happened. She told me to pull over, you know, because I was uh, hyperventilating. And I said, I can't, even can't do that because I'm in the middle of a traffic jam. Now, fast forward to late in the afternoon when I got home. I got an email from Mary Rodwell. And you could ask Mary next time you talk to her. It says, uh, Dear Ray, I'm sorry I'm responding to an email that you had sent seven months ago, but it just popped up on my screen. <laughs> okay? Now, let me give you a background for this. Okay, seven months ago, I had sent an email to like ten very famous names. You know, Whitley Strieber, you know, uh, Mary Rodwell, um, you know, um, all these famous ufologist people, Linda Moulton Howe and all these people, just because I wanted someone to talk to, because mm-hmm. I had no one to talk to. Um, and I was like, you know, you think you're going crazy with all of these things. Of course, yes. And, um, and well, I know Whitley Strieber returned the email, one other person, oh, I know this guy named Joe Montaldo, who um, has like an abduction radio station, and that's how this lady, Christina, uh, got to know her. And so seven months later, Mary is responding to the email that I had sent her seven months ago. Which was the day that you had this this altered state experience in the traffic jam. Correct. Yes. Okay. Correct. The same exact day. Mm -hmm. So then I told Mary, I said, well, you won't believe uh, because since uh, I sent you that email, I had all these near-death experiences. Okay. I then had all these paranormal experiences with my wife. And then today, this is what happened. And so Mary goes, well, we need to Skype, you know? And she was the one that showed me how to use Skype. I never even used Skype before. <laughs> so we were on the phone for like two and a half hours or so. And it was very late. And then we continued. Uh, we said, okay, we'll continue discussing tomorrow. So then the very next day at 9.30 in the morning, I get a telephone call. And it was, um, hello, is this Ray Hernandez? Was, yes, yes. But who's this? Oh, this is Dr. Rudy Shields. And I go, who? He goes, oh, I apologize. I thought Mary had uh, let you know that I was going to be calling. I said, no. It says, oh, I apologize. My name is Dr. Rudy Shields. I'm a very dear friend of Mary's. Um, I'm a emeritus professor of astrophysics at Harvard University. I was a very close friend of the late Professor John Mack. Um, you know, we were extremely close. And I just want to let you know that experience that you had inside that spinning wheel was 100% correct. Really? And what that... can possibly explain it was this theory that he and Dr. Edgar Mitchell have been working on the last 20 years. It's a physics theory, but it's a physics of consciousness. And it's titled the Quantum Hologram Theory of Consciousness. Mm-hmm. Mm. And then he went into detail explaining that, that, that physics work that they were working on. And how, indeed, all of these contact modalities are not separate. They're all interrelated. And it's part of the quantum hologram. And he won, then he went into explaining, you know, advanced physics stuff, which, like, went over my head, you know. So at the end of it all, he says, uh, Ray, you need, you need to do what these ETs told you, you know. Have you ever thought about doing what they told you? I said, uh, I didn't even give it a thought. He says, well, look, you know, I'm here to help you out, you know, whatever you need it, I'll be here. Um, and he said, well, by the way, write down this telephone number. So I wrote down the telephone number. So he said, this is the telephone number of my mentor. Okay, and in my head I was like, you know, who the hell is this guy's mentor? You know, he's professor from Harvard of astrophysics, you know. <laughs> and later, subsequently, when I did research of him, I learned that he had a war with Sir Stephen Hawking as to the true nature of black holes. And Rudy's version won out, which incidentally is something else. It's, that's the source of the Akashic Records. He says the black holes are the neurons of God's brain. I mean, <laughs> really, really crazy stuff. 
but but anyway, uh, he then gives me that telephone number. He says, "Oh, it's Dr. Edgar Mitchell," <laughs> and uh, and so um, we agreed to continue talking. So about four hours later, I worked up the courage to give Dr. Edgar Mitchell a call. And he goes, uh, oh, I've been expecting your phone call. And I was like, you know, what the hell, expecting my phone call? And he told me was that Rudy had not only emailed him, but also called him up. They discussed my experience in detail. And he also said that, uh, that what I saw, what I experienced, was 100% correct. And he talked about the quantum hologram. He says, uh, Ray, what are you doing tomorrow? I would like to invite you to my house. Uh, because he only li- uh, lived 90 minutes north of me. Isn't that something? So I said, uh, you're free to come over. I said, yes, what time? He says, 10 o'clock. You know, I said, fine, I'll be there. So the next day I was at Edgar's house, the whole day. The whole day he was like telling me all this, I thought it was secret stuff, you know, <laughs> all <laughs> stuff that had happened to him in space, these other cosmonauts, all of his life, all of his experiences, Roswell. He just went on and on and on and on and on. And then... Um, at the end of it all, after like, you know, half the day in his house, he says, Ray, these ETs gave you a mandate. And I was like, a mandate? You know, is, it, is he nuts too, you know? He <laughs> says, yeah, they gave you a mandate, you know? <laughs> and he says that uh, uh, Rudy and I already discussed it, okay? What you need to do is you need to form an organization to inform the world of your experience and the mission that these ETs gave you. And Rudy and I will be your scientific advisors. And I said, but Egra, I have no idea what I'm going to be doing. He says, don't worry, it'll come to you. It always comes to you. Okay? You know, he was speaking in these cryptic responses, you know, yeah. and I'm like, you know, yeah. um, you know, and so later on, um, I called Mary and I said, look, Mary, you won't even believe what just else has happened, you know, over these, you know, two or three days. Uh, these two geniuses of geniuses uh, want to form an organization and they even talked about inviting you to join them, you know? Um, would you like to join us, you know? Uh, we have no idea what the hell we're doing. We have no name, no mission, no nothing. And so Mary said, of course, you know? And so that's how Free got started. It was uh, off of these entities uh, playing it all out, okay? They put everything in front of us. In traffic in Miami is when you it, got the heads up, and it played correct. out like a, a, a completely well-orchestrated uh a piece. I, I just have you ever told this story in this way before, or am I getting the exclusive? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've told it to a few folks, but what it is is I don't talk too much about it because <laughs> it's such a crazy story. It's, but, well, it's important uh, to tell, though. I'm so delighted, yeah. and I hope our audience is as well. I'm sure they will be. And how it, this whole thing was and is a massive synchronicity. I, I have another yeah. question I want to ask you. You're obviously innately. Uh, uh, psychic, and although I, I don't like to use that word too frequently for the sake of this conversation, I'm going to completely sensitive, um, and I have no doubt that that goes back probably lifetimes for you. So I'm going to ask you this, Ray: Have you heard from Edgar Mitchell since he's crossed over in any way? Do you feel? <laughs> oh goodness! Do you know this lady named Carol Rosen? I know the name. I do. Okay, uh, she was a good friend of Edgar. And um, and so what had happened was I, I saw Edgar, um, it was like a week before he passed away. I visited him in the hospital, and as a matter of fact, we talked about near-death experiences. <laughs> uh, I was holding his hand the whole time and just basically transitioning him, you know, to, to the next stage. Mm. And um, so Carol was a dear, dear friend of hers, and she was using me to try to um, 
you know, to, 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 for me to keep her informed regarding Edgar. Because uh, I would always tell her when I visited him, uh, I've been at Edgar's house numerous, numerous times. And so I would always tell her, you know, how he looked, um, you know, and what it was. He was deteriorating, you know, very rapidly. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we had that type of an intimate conversation with her. Um, and so uh, we were comparing notes as a few days after Edgar had passed away. And I told her um, that uh, this particular night, at this time, my computer just, you know, stopped working. Um, and it was completely dead. And that uh, for two days I was trying to fix it. And uh, nothing. So I, had a, I wound up buying a new laptop. And then on the fourth day, uh, it miraculously worked again, just out of the blue, and I returned the laptop. And so she says, Ray, uh, this did occur on this day? I says, yeah. And she goes, uh, at what time did it occur? And I told her. It was like, I think it was like 10 o'clock, I think it was. She says, that's the same exact hour that passed, Edgar passed away. Oh, boy. Well, and there's... she said that her computer crashed at the same exact time. Really? And she said that her computer never did work again. You and I talked offline for quite some time about how technology may indeed be playing an integral role in thinning that veil uh, between the physical world and the spirit world, or let's say the physical world and everything else, and there's a big everything else. And here we go, you know, uh, again, those that live on the left brain side will want to want proof uh, but I love to quote Dr. Dean Radin, who says the only place you'll find proof is in mathematics and in alcohol. So stop. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's all about evidence. So I, I think that's a safer way to go. But w- when we're talking about empirical evidence, these, these sorts of things, look, I mean, there will come a time where we're just going to have to relent to the fact that this is the way it works, it seems, uh, and yeah. then some. Yeah. So, okay. There, there is some science to all of this, and that's what we're trying to do with our organization. Okay. Uh, and maybe this would be a good transition towards that. Um, free, uh, as you know, is comprised of, you know, many retired uh, professors with people that have been in this field researching experiences for many, many, many years. Now, all of us know that that um, this is extremely complex. It's not just about UFOs and grays and things of that sort, that there's the whole issue of N- the relationship between NDEs, between channeling, uh, uh, mediumship, uh, remote viewing, you know, that it's all interrelated and that the quantum hologram theory of, of consciousness and physics can begin to explain it. And for the readers, I'm not going to go into all those details now, but you can go to our website. We have uh, articles. As a matter of fact, two months after that experience I told you about, mm-hmm. I wrote an article titled The Quantum Hologram Theory of ET Contact. Mm-hmm. Now, this is coming from a guy that hated math, I hated science, you know, <laughs> and I wrote this article, which was approved by Edgar and Rudy and this other... Um, PhD physicists, and um, and we have many many other articles there on the contact modalities to show how it's all interrelated, and then we have many many articles on the physics of consciousness, and all of them are written for the layperson. Uh, some are a little bit more complicated, but the vast majority are very very simple. So there's about 20 articles there on the physics of consciousness, and one of the things Free is going to be doing is that we're going to be doing a documentary that's explaining. The physics. Uh, actually, the title of the documentary is "The Physics of Contact with Non-Human Intelligence," uh-huh. well, and we've got already commitments from five PhD physicists that are going to be explaining. For example, like in my case, when that entity appeared in my room, 
we'll go for example to Michukaku. You know, Michukaku, uh, Ray Hernandez had this um, this uh, energy being enter his living room, but yet all the doors were closed, the windows were closed. How can you know either established physics or speculative physics explain that phenomenon? Mm-hmm. So Michikak would say, well, Ray, if you remember Star Trek, beam me up, Scotty, okay? The topic was called teleportation, okay? Forty years ago, that was science fiction. Now it's actually science fact. We, for the last 15 years, we have actually teleported photons. Uh, we started off with a few miles, and now we're doing it hundreds of miles with actually simple um, uh, uh, molecules now. So uh, it'll get an object, we'll dematerialize it, and make it rematerialize it even going through walls and physical objects so it's no longer science fiction it's actually science fact okay so we already got physicists lined up to explain many different topics also the topic of um, the multi-dimensional nature of our reality uh, most PhD physicists now accept uh, uh, that we live in a multiverse mm-hmm. you know 30 years ago that was not accepted you know only a few physicists understood that and accepted it. Now, almost every PhD physicist. Now, that's crazy to understand that there's more than one universe. There might even be an infinite number of universes, okay? The whole topic of entanglement, which allows for communication faster than the speed of light and transmission of information faster than the speed of light. I mean, these are things that scientists still are not able to explain how it works, but they know it works because they've done numerous types of physics experiments. So we want to be able in this documentary to explain the physics of two of these contact modalities, near-death experiences and the whole array of UFO-related contact experiences, including the paranormal aspects of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so by doing that, we'll be hoping to bring scientific credibility uh, to this phenomenon. So it's not just a pure alcohol now, okay? Now we can start beginning to discuss uh, the speculative physics and the established physics of this phenomenon. Mm-hmm. I think so, that's... as you can see, our organization is not is definitely not UFO nuts and bolts. No, it, it certainly doing... isn't. Yeah. yeah, and I would say yeah. it's it's a it's a beautiful uh, balance, or I would even say dance of anecdotal evidence, which I, by the way, think is probably the most uh, um, profound. Alongside, juxtaposed with academic research and the fact that you're bringing together th- this model of really bridging uh, those two with uh, pure academic um, uh, data, uh, you're doing it now, but particularly with this documentary and bringing to lining up these can, what we call somewhat conventional physicists to quantify what's going on is clearly unique. Free is doing incredible work. Unbelievable. Correct, but nobody knows about us, Alexis. No, well, they do now. <laughs> no one is inviting us to any conferences, especially the, the nuts and bolts crowd. That's going to uh, change. Edgar, before he passed away, he sent a letter to these major conference organizers. Um, I won't list the names, but uh, you can take a guess of who they might be. It was mm-hmm. about five of these major conferences, and not one of them was interested in inviting uh, uh, any of our Ph.D. professors that are now retired to give a, a lecture about what Free is doing. Interesting. Well, I wouldn't worry too much about that. And you, you listen, audience, you've heard Ray say on the record what's going on, although I do think that's changing drastically. There is there is momentum, at least from my purview, that's growing for free. But now, audience, that you've heard him really make that plea, let's help to make free bigger and better and in, more integral in you know what we call the D-word disclosure. Like you said, I think it's already uh, in unfurling as we speak. Um, probably not in the way that one might 
might expect. But it's organizations like yours that will undoubtedly um, break, like I said, break that glass ceiling uh, of stigma and, and um, you know, limits as far as uh, this phenomenon is concerned to, for those that even believe. Because, look, we still have many people out there that refuse uh, to to let go of that that classic paradigm uh, that they don't it doesn't exist at all. So you're doing just incredible work. Again, I want to say we're going to have to wind down. I I'm going to have you back if if you'll allow me to. Um, but I want to say uh, for everyone, please go to experiencer.org. We'll make sure to have that linked up directly to Higher Journeys Radio. And uh, my gosh, there were so many questions that I wanted to get to. But again, Ray, will, will you come back and share more? Oh, please. I'd be honored. Uh, you're a wonderful host. Uh, and uh, thank you for listening patiently. Oh, uh, I just brilliant. want the listeners to, to, to realize that we're not a UFO nuts and bolts organizations. We're taking um, so many arenas that no one has been bothered to to pursue before. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. And after going to the site, I can see that. You know, there is one thing I want to mention for everyone. This is this is really huge. Um, and it has to do with other things that you're offering to people that come to visit uh, the website. Again, experiencer.org. Uh, you have a section, um, really a service that you offer uh, to uh, for support programs for people that are experiencers oh, yes, yes. like yourself, who initially had no one to talk to, and you reached out frantically to try to just to be able to talk about it. Um, that is something if, if you do nothing else, people, if you've think you've had an experience that you can't quantify and that you can't talk about, go to experiencer.org. Um, you'll see it there. Uh, it, like I said, it's a brilliant website. It's it's beautifully laid out, but you'll find support programs, I believe. And and you have a peer-to-peer program, I believe, as Correct. well. We have, uh, as, we've assisted over 400 individuals in 18 months. I think that's great. Just providing one-on-one uh, support, just another experiencer to talk to. That's beautiful. And we I, also have a, a therapist support list, yes, which now has over 250 individuals uh, from over 30 states and 10 different foreign countries that provide four different types of support. One are people that are licensed uh, therapists. Number two are support organizations. Number three are hypnotic regression therapists. Mm-hmm. And number four is different types of energy healers. Beautiful. Oh, isn't that wonderful? Let me just tell you this little anecdote. I'm not obviously going to name this person, but this is a, you know, I, I, individuals come to me and they tell me their stories, both on the record and off, mostly authored. But uh, one particular individual whom I had met at uh, a conference, uh, actually a, a talk that uh, Richard Dolan was giving, and uh, she agreed to share her experience on the record uh, for me. I'm not going to go into the whole story because I don't want to tip my hat too much on who, who she is because I know she wants to protect her uh, her identity. But the bottom line is, after she uh, was so gracious in allowing me to take her story and share it, um, and she shared her own uh, encounter uh, story with, uh, I suppose, some in her so-called friends uh, circle, Ray, she was bullied. She was bullied to the point of wanting to leave. Guess where she's from? Miami. Just occurred to me. She wanted oh, wow. to uh, leave the state. I'm going to stop there because, again, I don't want to get into it. Maybe we can talk a little bit about it off. off. Tell her to give yeah, me a call. Yeah, you have but my I, phone I, number. Yes, I do. My email. Yeah, that's that's a beautiful thing. But I wanted to, to uh, 
delineate that and make that point because I have a feeling there are a lot of people that are just going through just unnecessary harassment because of a very authentic, life-changing experience. It's, it's enough to make me want to cry. So again, people, support free. Um, go to the website, experiencer.org, and um, support the great work they're doing. And hopefully in doing that, you, we'll crack this 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 nut open of uh, the true nature of reality. I think this is what this is really about. So Ray Hernandez, thanks once again. I don't want you to hang up. We're going to do a, a, a sign off on the radio, but don't hang up because I have another question or two for you. But again, I thank you so much, my dear, for sharing your personal okay. story with us and the wonderful work that Free is doing. Thank you. Thank you so much, Alexis. They say that some of us are divinely guided to our life's purpose. After hearing Ray's story, I think we can all agree that he was synchronistically led to do big things on this planet. With a fierce conviction and determination, Free's mission is to eventually erase the stigma surrounding ET encounters and give it the proper attention and intelligence that it truly deserves. I encourage you to visit Free's fantastic website at experiencer.org. There you will find an abundance of critical information, including their in-depth survey and research findings on this broad and multidimensional subject. If you like this interview, you may also enjoy my interviews with Mary Rodwell, Grant Cameron, and Linda Moulton Howe. Just go to higherjourneys.com forward slash HJ Radio to get access to our free show archives. Thanks as always for tuning in to Higher Journeys Radio. Until next time, I'm your host, Alexis Brooks.